Well, good morning, everyone. How are we doing? Are we in love with Jesus today? Hey, get up out of your seats and let's give God a big shout of praise as we start today. My goodness gracious. God is moving. God is doing so many awesome things in this church, in our lives. Hey, we just want to give him some good praise today. You can be seated if you can. Thank y'all so much for being here on a holiday weekend. I know a lot of Georgia fans are here today because you want to praise God for what happened yesterday. Yeah. Oh, Lord. That's one of the most awkward moments ever. What do you do when Georgia wins a big game, Lord? Thank you. We know it's a sign of the times. You know Jesus is coming soon. That's what you know. No, I'm kidding. I'm having fun with you. Can't deny it, it was a great game. It's a great game. Hey, you guys at home, uh, don't forget to uh, like and share the live stream and help us get the word out there today. And am I a little bit loud to you guys this morning or am I okay? It's good? All right. Sometimes my hearing tricks me up here. I'm not going to say I'm getting to that age, but I've heard of people getting to ages and anyhow. No, we're glad that you're here today. My goodness gracious, exciting stuff going on. Women of Valor kicking off. What a great testimony for Women of Valor, huh? Hey, if you guys have not been to our Next Generation Room to see what our children's ministry has been doing for the last couple of weeks, oh my goodness. You need to go over there and see what the E-Kids team has put together for our children. It will knock your socks off. And if you're not wearing socks, watch your toenails. It'll probably knock them off. It, it's, it's a really, really cool thing they've got going on over there, starting a series today called Bob City. I love that the people involved with our children's ministry care enough about what they're doing to make what they're doing special for our children. How awesome is that? I love it. Um, one thing that didn't get announced that I'm happy to announce to you this morning, ladies and gentlemen, on September 25th of this month. Gentlemen, we're going to have our first men's hangout night in a long, 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 long time. That was pathetic. All right, we're going to try this again. Guys, let me hear a man grunt. Let me hear, oh, there we go. Guys, we're going to have some fun. We're going to have some fun. That's going to be the first of many events. What are we going to do? Stuff that guys like to do. Stuff that guys like to do. We're going to watch football. We're going to play Texas Hold'em. We've got have some cornhole, some horseshoes, some video games. A lot of stuff going on. If you guys want to play basketball, we'll have that going on too. Here's what's cool. All you can eat, burgers, dogs, and smoked meat the whole night. It's going to be awesome. And if you like steak, bring a steak. We'll cook it on the grill. And you can eat meat till you start sweating. I mean, it's going to be so awesome. It's going to be a great men's night, though. Uh, we're just going to have a blast. So, men, mark that on your calendar. It's going to be a Saturday at 6 o'clock. We picked a great day where there's not, like, some major football games going on, but we will be watching all the football games anyway. So no excuse. No excuse, guys. We want you to be there. And Hey, listen, I'll plug baptism again before we get into the message. If you have not been baptized or if God has just done something powerful in your life recently, you know, it's okay to get rebaptized. It's not like a one-and-done thing, man. Uh, it's just an outward confession to show what God has done internally inside of you. You're going public with your faith and saying, God has completely changed me. I'm a new creation. So if you haven't been baptized, I'd encourage you, after service, go out there and sign up. We'll give you a free T-shirt. We'll dunk you in the water. I promise I won't hold you down too long. Not too long. Maybe if you're a Georgia fan, we'll just make sure you're fully sanctified and saved. We'll see. Or a Bama fan, definitely. Lord be with them. But anyway, so, but if God's done something powerful in your life recently, hey, it'd be a great time to go public with that and move on with Jesus and not look back, right? Let's get ready to get into this word. We took a little break last week for Family Sunday. What a fun day Family Sunday was last week. If you missed that, check it out on the, the live stream or the podcast. It was really good. Um, first Wednesday happened this past week, too. Oh, my gosh, y'all. You want to talk about a powerful night? We had a powerful night just worshiping God and praying and letting him do what he does best. And uh, it was a really good night for us. We're going to uh, continue our series, though, on this 12-stone vision that God has given us as a church. How I many of you are excited about the vision God is giving us as a church? So excited about it as a pastor. And I want to touch on it a little bit today. And I, I will say this. You don't want to miss next week. 
Next week is going to be a very important service. Next week is going to be the time where we all are coming together to uh, once again briefly go over the vision that God has given us, but then to sit down as families and decide what we're going to do to participate in it. Um, if that means serving, if that means giving, if that means you know more attendance, that whatever that next step is for us spiritually as a church body as we step into what God is calling us to do. Uh, we're asking everybody, if you possibly can, to be here next week. Uh, but I'm glad you're here today. Really glad you're here today for what we're going to talk about because what we're talking about today is real strategic in seasons like this as a church and in seasons like this where I know many of you are in your walk with God and in your calling that God has placed on your life because anytime God calls a person or a church to do something, there's always a gap in there between the promise and the fulfillment of the promise. You guys know what I'm talking about? There's a gap in there, and those gaps are very uncomfortable times. And those gaps are usually where God is growing us and stretching us and preparing us to be able to step into the promise that he's given us and the calling that he's placed on our lives. And sometimes life throws stuff at you, and sometimes, I know you're going to find this hard to believe, I probably, this has not happened with you in your experience with God, but sometimes God will place a promise on your heart and tell you he's going to do something, and then you get out there in the world, start living life, and things don't look like God said they would look like. That ever happened to you? Yeah, happened to me too. I remember um, when we were still praying about purchasing this building, and it was, man, I'm telling you, that was a big grow time for this dude right here when we were praying about stepping out and committing financially to doing this, and I was had talked to the board and talked to the leaders, and we were all on board with the idea of moving forward with at least trying to purchase this facility. It was still a huge step of faith at the time. And before we had the service where I was going to tell you guys and tell the congregation, I remember just this, this conflict going on inside of me because I knew that God had laid it on my heart, and I knew the board was in unison with it, and I knew that the leaders were on board with it, but still, there's, for the step that we were fixing to take, I was still uneasy. You ever been there? It's not like, not like I, I didn't doubt God, but I just wanted bulletproof evidence that this was just going to happen, and I wasn't sticking my neck out for no reason, because I remember praying, saying, Lord, I'm fixing to ask these people to take a huge step. We have no money as a church. We're going to need a lot of money to come in. I know you said you were going to do it through the people. I know what you said. But I'm about to put my credibility, I'm about to put everything on the line with this and ask these people to change, to change our location. And I knew what changing our location meant. It meant that we were going to eventually change the name of this church with changing the location and Stepping out of something that was familiar into something that was unfamiliar. And anytime you do change, I knew that it was going to cost us people in the church when we did it. Because not everybody is comfortable with moving into new territory. Amen? Not everybody's comfortable with moving into new territory. And I knew the price tag and I knew what was at stake. I said, Lord, just, can you just, just one more time, <laughs> just one more time for your boy, <laughs> let me know. And I just remember in that prayer time, God just thundering in my spirit. And, and he said, what I've spoken, I've spoken. Now do it. Yes, sir. That's all I needed. We cast the vision. And y'all know the rest of the story. <laughs> I mean, we're $60,000 later, we're in a miracle in this facility because there's no way we had that. And y'all have heard me tell that story a lot, but it's important for us to revisit that. And I'm telling you this at the beginning of this message to let you know I know what it's like to go through those seasons of gap. And I know what it's like to stand on a promise with faith but still want reassurance that everything that God spoke is going to come to pass the way that he spoke it. You guys know what I'm talking about? Well, a guy named Abram went through a similar situation in uh, the book of Genesis. If you got your Bibles or your tablets, you can go to Genesis chapter 12. We're going to start reading in verse 1 and skip around a few chapters today. Um, all the notes for the message today are also available on version. If you want to pull that up and just follow along, you're welcome to do that as well. We've got scriptures that will appear on the screen for you if you don't have anything. Today, we got you covered. We got you covered. So Genesis chapter 12, 
Starting at verse 1. The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, your father's household, to the land I will show you, and I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago, at least the first part of this verse, and God said, I want you to leave everything comfortable and familiar. But here's what I'm going to do. God tells him, I'm going to make you into a great nation. I'm going to bless you. I'll make your name great, and you will be a blessing. Now, this guy, Abram, would later have his name changed, and we'd know him as Abraham. But that hadn't happened yet in his life. So, Abram steps out in faith. He does what God says. He just starts walking just on the word, just on the promise. And some time goes by. And some life starts to happen. And he's now walking, listen to this, he's walking as a nomad in the very land God said would be his. He's homeless in a land that's supposed to be his home. And he's walking by other tribes that are in possession of the land that God said would be his. And he's seeing all of this as he marches around living in his tent, and he has maybe not a moment of doubt, but just a real moment, an honest moment, where he needs some reassurance from God. And in Genesis 15, verse 7, he starts to have this real honest conversation with God, and the Lord told him, I'm the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans and gave you this land as your possession. God's reminding him of the promise that he gave him in the, the middle of this conversation that he's having with Abram. Hey, don't forget, I'm the guy that said you come out here and I will give this stuff to you. And what Abram does next is just, to me, it's so beautiful. He says, O sovereign Lord, how can I be sure that I will actually possess it? How can I be sure that I'll actually possess it? I love that God cares enough about us to let us have honest conversations like that with him. You know, it's not a sin to back up and say, God, I know what you said, but could you just help me break this down? Help me download what's going on. Speak to me in this moment. There's nothing wrong with having real conversations with God. It doesn't make you less spiritual. There's nothing wrong in, in a crazy moment where you've had a bad week saying, Lord, please do something in me right now because if one more person says one more crazy thing to me, I'm probably going to be on the 5 o'clock news. Please do something right now. Help me to forgive some peace, some love in my heart. Lord, put all that stuff in there. There's nothing wrong with being honest and having an honest conversation with God. In fact, I'd go further and say he wants that from you. He doesn't want these baloney prayers. Oh, sovereign Lord, thank you for this day. I thank thee and thine power that thou hast provided amply for me and my family. He, want that, but he wants real stuff, real conversation. Just like you talk to anybody else, that's how you can talk to God. Respectfully, of course. He just wants to be in there in a real way in your life. And It's funny, I put... Uh, a little ad up on Facebook that ran for a few days this week, and the the little um, line on the the ad, I think it was, um, I think it was, how can I know uh, that God will keep His promise that He made to me, or something something like that. And uh, underneath it, I wrote just a few little things. You know, we'll be you know, this all probably been there before in our lives where we've asked this question, and this Sunday we're going to answer that question. You know, in the service. And then at the bottom I put, by the way, the answer is not because he said so. Oh my gosh, you'd have thought I had just pee-peed in everybody's Cheerios when I said that. Because like, I don't know, for comment after comment after comment after comment was, it is because he said so. Because he said so. Because he said so. God said it, so it's got to be. It's because he said so. And I get it. I get it. And I wrote what I wrote for a reason. Because here's the deal. In today's world, as a Christian, listen, because God said so, isn't an answer that's going to cut it anymore. You need to be able to explain why you say you believe what you believe. You need to, you need to know the why behind it. And, and of course it's got some power behind it because God said so. We understand that. But you need to be able to explain why when God says so, it's important. Because God said so really isn't the answer to the question. And it wasn't enough for Abram 
in this moment either because God was reminding him of what he had said and Abram said, yeah, I get that, but how can I know for sure? How can I be fully convinced? And God does something next. Every time I read this, every time I teach on this, absolutely blows me away because of what he did for Abram and because of what it represents for you and me. And I want to share this with you today. I want to give you the reason why you can know 100% without a doubt that God will keep his promise to you when he makes his promise to you. And the answer isn't because he said so. It's not because of what he said. It's because of what he did. Okay? It's not because of what he said. It's because of what he did. Now let's put some common sense to this. I can tell you anything. But if I don't have a track record that shows you what I'm saying has merit to it, what does it matter? I have to do something to prove myself to earn that trust. I have to do something to communicate that level of commitment to you. I have to do something. And God knew this. So he said, okay, I gave you my word, but you don't know me the way that you need to know me. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do something to show you and not just say it. In Genesis 15, this is so huge. Genesis 15, verse 9, the Lord told him, Bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. So Abram presented all these things to him and killed them. Then he cut each animal down the middle and laid the half side by side. He did not, however, cut the birds in half. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that absolutely amazing? You're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you for coming today. Glad you guys were here. Thanks for watching online. It'd be... I get it. You're thinking probably the same thing I thought the first time I read this and didn't really understand what was going on. I was like, this is the weirdest response to a genuine question I've ever seen. And just like God, in God's style, he doesn't give a simple answer to a simple question. He goes a step further with it and paints a picture with what's happening in his word. Um, here's something you need to know. You need to know that the Bible wasn't written in 2021 and the Bible wasn't written in Georgia and I can prove this to you because there are no y'alls in the Bible alright <laughs> there is no y'alls uh, there is no complaining about the summer in August in the Bible there is no mention of sweet tea anywhere in the Bible and there's sure not any talk of college football anywhere in scripture okay so you know it wasn't written in the south it was written to a, by a God to very specific people at a very specific time. And you have to understand the time and the people and the culture to understand a lot of what's happening symbolically in Scripture. Because if you'll approach the Bible like that, it opens up a wealth of knowledge and revelation to what God is actually doing in situations, especially like this. He says, how do I know? The Lord told him, bring me a heifer. Bring me a three-year-old heifer. Bring me a female goat. A three-year-old ram. A turtle dove. A young pigeon. But what's cool to me is that Abram knew exactly what God was doing here. He immediately went to work. So something's going on here that if you don't know what's happening, and you're not privy to it, you, you miss it completely. Abram got it because he's in the day and the time and he's the person. He's in the culture. He understands that what God was fixing to do was he was fixing to make a covenant with him. Now, in today's world, that really doesn't mean a whole lot. But back then, that was everything. Because listen, there, there were no real no law officers to enforce the law. There was no court system to enforce the law. So you couldn't have contracts of any kind because who's going to uphold it? Who's going to enforce it? You, know, you don't have anything like that. So what you would have between tribes and people and kings and people were covenants. And a covenant was the strongest form of promise and commitment that an individual could make to another person. Abraham says, or Abram says, God, how can I know? How can I be fully convinced that 
what you said is actually going to happen. And God says, okay, I'm going to speak to you in a language you can understand. And God begins to make a covenant with him and making the strongest form of commitment that a person in that day and age could possibly understand. That's how cool God is. Um, I want to walk you through parts of this covenant ceremony so that we can, when we go through these later scriptures, you'll be able to see how powerful this moment actually is because um, this was no small thing. And to go through this covenant ceremony, I mean, it was the, I mean, it, was it the, the strongest form of, of commitment you can make. So you guys are interested in how all of this plays out and what would happen in a covenant ceremony back in the day? It'll help you in understanding what God did for us then and now. But before we do that, I need a couple of volunteers to help me out with this. Um, Pastor Jeremy, can you help me? Josh, can you help me out? Come on up here. Um, Give them a hand as they make their way up. Come on up here on the platform. So, so what you would have is you would have a king uh, and what would be called a vassal or a person pledging their loyalty to a king, or you would have two tribes coming together in a covenant ceremony, making this promise to one another. And so what would happen is this, if there were two tribes coming together, um, they would choose a representative from each tribe to represent the tribe, kind of like they would in battle. A lot of times back then, instead of the armies fighting, they would choose a champion or a representative of their army to come out, and the two champions would fight each other instead of the whole armies fighting each other. So there would be bloodshed between two people and not thousands of people. So it was kind of a civilized way of handling it back then. They would do the same thing in a covenant ceremony. They would choose a representative from each tribe to come together. And so what we're going to do is we're going to have a representative from the warrior tribe. Okay, so Josh is going to be the warrior. And we're going to have a representative from the farmer tribe. Pastor Jeremy is going to be from the farmer tribe. And here's why they're making a covenant with one another. Okay, because the warriors are awesome. The warriors will kick your hind in. The warriors are phenomenal in battle, but they don't know how to grow anything. So while, while, while they're accomplishing, they're bad on the battlefield, but they're starving. They're starving. They're hungry, okay? And you got the farmers who know how to grow stuff, but everybody's invading them and stealing their food and taking their lunch money and running off with their women and children because they don't know how to defend themselves like the warriors do. I mean, not everybody. So what they would do is they would get together. <laughs> They get together and say, hey, we need to fix this problem. you got a skill that can help me. I've got a skill that can help you. Let's covenant together and make our two tribes one. Okay, so what they would do. And so you've got the warriors and you've got the farmers. So this side of the room, you guys are going to be the warriors, okay? This side of the room, you're going to be the farmers, all right? All right. So every tribe's got to have a war cry, right? Okay, everybody wake up for a second. Every tribe's got to have a war cry, right? Yeah. All right? So we need a yeah. war cry for the warriors. What's your, what's your war cry going to be? It's just going to be a how stoic about, laugh. How about, rawr! Would that be good? Okay. All right, so that's going to be the war cry for the warriors. So let me hear the warriors on three. One, two, three. Rawr! Rawr! There we go. You got it. And then the farmers have got to have a war cry. You got a good one? Roll time! No, no, there's no, there's on the count of three. No, 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 no. There is, there is no cussing in church. Wow. No cussing in church. We're not going to do it. You guys watching at home, I'm sorry if your children witness that. Oh dang, you got a problem? Please send it. Please send an email to Pastor Jeremy at EastgateChurch.cc. So, so farmers, so farmers. Let's just, just for the this the sake of it. Farmer's war cry. Yeehaw! How about that? Yeehaw! Okay, one, two, three. Yeehaw! Alright. Warriors and farmers coming together. So they would pick representatives to enter into this covenant ceremony. And the first thing that they would do is this: they would exchange items or they would exchange their weapons. So um, for the warriors, they would bring a sword and for the warriors, they would bring a sword for the farmers, maybe he'd bring a, a rake or a hoe or something, whatever they would use. And so what would happen is they would exchange their items, and you would have the warrior giving his sword to the farmers, 
and you would have the farmers giving his rake to the warrior and pledging to each other, my skill is now your skill. My gifts are now your gifts. Your people will not go hungry anymore because what I have is now yours. And your people will not have to worry about being robbed anymore because my sword now protects you and your people. They would exchange in this covenant ceremony. The, um, the next thing they would do after they've exchanged items is they would exchange garments. So you guys go ahead and exchange. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Josh is shaking his head. Pastor Jeremy had way too many buttons unbuttoned up here. It got a little uncomfortable. So they would exchange garments, and, and here's why. Because back then, and the way it was set up, you would have these roaming tribes and, and nomad groups that would go around, and a lot of times they would identify their tribes by what they wore. Kind of like gangs have colors. They would have colors back then, so they'd have their robes, and sometimes they would be dyed different colors in different places so that you could, you could see and recognize the tribe and know who it was from a distance because of what they were wearing. So when they exchanged their robes, what's happening here is there was an exchange of identity. I am now giving you my identity. I am now giving you my identity. When people look at me, they see you. When people look at you, they see me because we are now becoming one with each other. Powerful. Yeah. Powerful what's happening. So they, when they would do the exchange of garments and uh, after that, they would, um, now this, this gets a little gross, after they would exchange garments, what they would do is they would take the animals that were there, just like we just read in, in the scripture earlier, and they would cut them down the middle. And they would lay the, the bodies of the animals out in between the two parties. And the two representatives would stand on either side of the cut in half animals. And then they would step into the middle of the animals. When they stepped into the middle of the animals that had been cut in half, what would they be standing in? Blood. They'd be standing in blood. So everything that happens from this moment forward becomes a blood covenant between the two tribes. The sacrifice that they've just offered up to seal this commitment they're making to one another. And so when the animals were cut in two and they stepped into the middle, they would take turns one at a time walking around in a figure eight in and out of the carcasses. And while they were walking through the blood in this figure eight um, motion, they would begin making the covenant vows. I covenant with you today, I vow to you today that those who bless you, I will bless. Those that curse you, I will curse those that are your friends are my friends. Your enemies are my enemies. My people are your people. I will always be there to protect you. I will always. It, both of them will take turns walking around in a figure eight. And I brought this picture they put up a little bit too early for you, but you can check it out. And you guys watching online, as they're walking in that figure eight through the carcasses, what does that symbol represent? Infinity. So they're literally making an infinity sign. As they're making the vows in this covenant, they're saying the vows in this covenant because what they are saying isn't for today. It's not for the season or for the next 10 years. The covenant that they're making is forever. There's no end to it. Once they have made these covenant vows in that symbolic way, they come back together in the, in the middle of the two carcasses that are, or the carcasses that are cut. Now, if you come over here, and they'll face each other, and what they'll do is they will cut their hands. Until the blood starts to flow. Because here's something interesting about the word covenant. Okay? The word covenant means to cut until blood flows. So literally, you could break the Bible into two separate categories. You've got the old to cut until blood flows, and you've got the new to cut until blood flows. They would cut each other's hands. Sometimes they would cut their arms a little bit. Um, 
so that when they clasp hands, go ahead and grab hands, they grab hands like this. Sometimes they would grab each other's arms like that, depending on the tribe. But they did this, so old school way of becoming blood brothers. Say, my blood is now your blood. Your blood is now my blood. We are not just one symbolically on the outside by what we wear and by what we do. We are now one in blood joined together as one tribe. One tribe. Okay, when they were finished with that, in the middle of now all this gunk, they would bend down and pick up dirt and they would take the dirt and sometimes ash and they would pack it into the wound they had just created on their hand by cutting it so that it would not heal properly and it would create a scar. So that now their bodies are marked with a sign of the covenant that they had just made with one another. And it's kind of cool um, because it would serve as, as a sign like... Um, it's really where waving came from, to be honest with you. Uh, you know, we wave at people to say hi. Back then, if you were out in a field by yourself or with a small group of your tribe and a greater number of people from another tribe were going just across the field and they thought they outnumbered you and they thought maybe they could attack you and, and overthrow you, all you had to do was hold up your hand as a sign of the covenant that you were a part of and they would understand that you were just not by yourself. And they would understand that you might be a small group of people that they could overthrow, but you represent a larger group of people that they might not want to mess with. And so a lot of times they would just keep on riding because of the sign of the covenant that they carried on their bodies. It's just amazing. Uh, a lot of symbolism in what they would do. When they were finished going through this part of the covenant ceremony, they would always go back later that evening and they would have a covenant meal. They would have a covenant meal with the two tribes. They would get together to celebrate. And always at these covenant meals, they would have bread and they would have wine or grape juice uh, to drink. And the bread, get this, and the covenant ceremonies back then would be symbolic of the bodies. And the wine would be symbolic of the bloods. And when you ate the bread, you were saying, I now eat into myself you. We are now one. And when you drink the wine or the grape juice then, I'm drinking you into myself. We are now one. And a lot of times they would even go so far as to put a little bit of blood in with the wine just to go further with the symbolism. I don't know if I would have drank that, but that's what they would do back then. Very powerful. And a lot of times, too, in, in the, this exchange at this covenant um, meal that they would have, they would offer up the firstborn sons from the tribal leaders, and they would swap sons with each other and raise each other's children. Your heir is now my heir. Your son is now my son. Our tribes are now one. And if one of the tribes didn't have an elder son, had a daughter, they would do a wedding. And the oldest son would marry the daughter that was ready for marriage, and they would unite their tribes that way. We are one with each other, committed to each other. Now, what's crazy is this. While they were doing all of these vows... As they were walking around in this figure eight up here. In this ceremony while they were making their vows. They would have said this. Just before they grabbed hands. They would have said. If I fail to keep my part of this covenant. Or if I let you down in any way. Regarding this covenant. May it be done to me. As it has been done to these animals. Meaning you're pledging your life. And not just your life but the entire tribe's life on keeping this covenant. This was a serious deal, sealed in blood. If we fail, buddy, we, we forfeit our lives. If you fail, you forfeit your lives. Crazy. And the covenant that they make with each other is forever, not just for that generation, forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. It never breaks. It never stops. 
So this is what God was beginning to take Abram through when he was telling him to cut those animals down the middle. That's why Abram went to work so fast because he knew what was fixing to happen. Let's give these guys a hand for helping out this morning. Good job. So you'd have two tribes well-fed and well-protected in covenant with one another. This is what God was doing with Abram. He said, I don't want you to have any lingering doubt. I'm going to make the highest level of commitment to you that I can possibly make. Now check out what happens here. In Genesis chapter 15. So the animals are cut and in, in verse 12, it says the sun was going down and Abram fell into a deep sleep and a terrifying darkness came over him. I'm going to keep reading down. Same chapter, verse 17 and 18. It says, after the sun went down and darkness fell, Abram saw a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch pass between the halves of the carcasses. A fire pot and a torch passed between the halves of the carcasses. What was happening while the fire pot and the torch was passing through the halves of the, car the carcasses? The figure eight thing, God was reciting the covenant vows. That's when you would do it. So the covenant vows were being recited. Now here's what's crazy. Where was Abram when this was happening? Think about this for a second. Where was Abram when this was happening? He was off to the side, not participating, watching everything that happened. And this is what's cool, is that God manifested his presence in two distinct ways. As what? As the fire pot and as a torch. Okay, two distinct manifested presences of God. God was conducting the covenant ceremony by himself with Abraham on the side watching. Listen, but there were still two participants. This is what God was doing. God said, look, Abram, I know you, and I know you're limited, and I know you're weak, and I know you can be tempted into sin, and I know there's a chance that you're not going to be able to keep this covenant that I'm making with you right now. So instead of risking you and your ability to keep this thing, what I am going to do is I am going to represent you myself in this covenant. And I will covenant with myself on your behalf so that it's not dependent upon you to keep the covenant and the promise. It is only dependent upon me. Wow. Wow. So not only is he making this huge commitment to Abraham or Abram at the time, he's taking his spot. So there is no risk in it. God is carrying it all himself. And what God is saying to Abram right here, he is literally saying, I'm making this covenant to you, myself, representing all the parts. And if I, mm, I, would, rather, I would rather cease to exist as an eternal God than fail to keep my promise to you. That's what he's telling him. That's what he's telling him. That is powerful. Powerful. So, so the Lord made a covenant with Abram that day and said, I have given this land to your descendants all the way from the border of Egypt to the great Euphrates River again. He repeats the promise after he's made the covenant to him. And everything changes at this point between Abram and God. His name becomes Abraham. No longer Abram. Abraham, why? Because he took on a new name as a sign of the covenant. Okay, God changes his language in talking to Abraham. He says, I'll bless those that you bless. I'll curse those that you curse. Those that are for... It, covenant language enters into Scripture like never before. God even institutes circumcision for Abram and his, his descendants as a covenant sign, a mark on their body to confirm the covenant that they have with him. I don't know why he chose to do it that way. But he decided to do it that way. He's God. Trust me, that's on the list of questions that I have for him, especially as a man. But that's what he chose to do. Covenant mark on the body. It changes everything. 
everything. How God responds to the children of Israel after that. My people, after my name, my tribe. I'm their God. You're my people. We're one. It's, it's, it's just amazing how everything changes after that covenant. What does that have to do with us today? What does that have to do with, with our callings, our, our dreams, the promises that God has given us, and what God is speaking over us as a church? Well, whatever happened in the New Testament, listen to me now, it just doesn't cease to exist, or the Old Testament doesn't cease to exist because you're in the New Testament today. A lot of those principles carry over. Luke chapter 22, verse 19. Jesus is at the end of his life, fixing to go as a sacrifice to the cross for our sins. And the Bible says, And he took the bread and he gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. While God had a covenant with Abraham, Jesus came to create and to fulfill a new covenant with us. Galatians chapter 3, verse 29 says, And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs, and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. Belongs to you. Jesus saw us as we were and knew that we needed to be redeemed. And knew that we couldn't do it on our own. So Jesus said, I'm going to come down there and I'm going to do it for you. You can't get to me. I'll come down to you. And he hung on a cross over a pool of his own blood in the middle and represented us in the ceremony of the new covenant with God seated on his throne and God manifested in the flesh on the cross with all of humanity watching and not participating they watched the Lamb of God take our place in the new covenant through his own blood so that his promise wouldn't be, it wouldn't be dependent upon us. It would only be dependent upon him. Because where we would be weak, he can be strong. And where we would fail, he wouldn't fail. And he knew if it was going to work, it had to all be on him. It had to all be on him. What's crazy is this, that while Jesus was breathing his last breath, scholars will tell you this, that that it was, it was the time of the, the Passover celebration and the Jewish temple would have been open and all of the priests would have been marching in at that time throwing this big party celebrating the Passover sacrifice of the Passover lamb. While Jesus was on the cross, this was happening and scholars say because of the time frame that we're given in scripture, we can know almost to the minute when Jesus died and we know by how the ceremonies happen according to Jewish tradition that when the lamb was being sacrificed on the altar for the Passover the lamb of God was probably breathing his last breath and being that sacrifice for us a new covenant a new covenant with us. And, and if you look in, in the New Testament, you're going to see covenant language all through the New Testament with regards to us. Over 160 times, Paul writes about how we have been grafted into the body of Christ. We're now part of the body of Christ. 
our identity in Him. His identity in us. And in, 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 in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, this is just one of them. It says, God made Him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. He became our sin. We became His right, His righteousness. There are other passages of Scripture that talks about how there was an exchange of, of garments and even robes where we put on robes of righteousness. Identify. Identify with Him. The promise isn't dependent upon us. It's dependent upon Him. And this is what's so powerful is that even today, God is saying with His covenant with us that He would rather cease to exist than fail to keep His word to us. Not hold up His part of the covenant. How do you know that God can keep His promises? It's not because of what He said. It's because of what He did. It's all dependent on him this is how I can stand up here and securely know that what God has spoken will come to pass because listen it's not just his integrity it's not just his track record listen to this it's his very existence that he put on the line if I fail to keep my word and keep him with a covenant I choose to cease to exist last time I checked God is still on his throne Last time I checked, he's still there. It's crazy. When they would do these covenant meals, um, they wouldn't just be a one-and-done kind of thing. They would come back every year, every couple of years, and they would get all the tribes together again. And they would go through this covenant meal ceremony as a reminder of the covenant that the tribes had with one another. Isn't it interesting? Did Jesus ask us to take communion, the Lord's Supper, or a covenant meal together in remembrance of Him? Covenant language all through the Scripture. Have you ever thought about this? Why Jesus, when He died, He was put into the grave. He was resurrected three days later. Amen? Back to life a heavenly body, a resurrected body, have you ever stopped to wonder why he still has holes in his feet and nail marks in his hands? And in a resurrected heavenly body, God still chose to leave those marks on the body of our Savior. Covenant mark to remind us the promise and the commitment that he made all on him this is why scripture says all we have to do is seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and everything else will be what? provided for us he's got it he's got it he's got it he just says hey hang out with me hey follow me and the rest is on me how can we know? It was, how could I know? And God showed him. And today you might be asking the same question. How can I know fully? And I'm here to tell you, Jesus showed us. And we're walking in a covenant with him that's just as real and as powerful as any covenant that was ever made throughout the history of mankind and even more so because it's with a God that cannot fail. It's with a God that cannot be defeated. He's omniscient. He's all-powerful, all-knowing, everlasting, eternal. And His promise to us is, I would rather die and cease to exist than let you down. That gives me a lot of confidence. Gives me a lot of confidence. Gentlemen, if you will, let's prepare the elements today. I wanted us to take communion as a church today. Um, 
hoping this sheds a little new light on it for some of us. This is a teaching I come back to from time to time as a pastor because I think it's important for us as a body of believers to understand the symbolism and the power behind not just what's in Scripture, but what Jesus has asked us to do. When we take communion as a church, it's not just to remember the sacrifice that Jesus made for us, but it's to be a reminder of the covenant that we have with Him. Well, gentlemen, we're going to quickly serve you. Man, I feel the presence of God in here. Now, you guys watching at home, or if you're watching this live stream later, um, maybe hit pause and, and go get some grape juice and some bread at your house if, if you want to, and you can participate with us. Um, what they're passing out to you is a little tricky there's a part you open on the top for the wafer there's a another part that you'll open underneath it to get to the grape juice I always have trouble with these things because my fingers have a hard time grabbing the plastic but before we do this I want to ask a question because we've talked today about covenant and what we have in and through Jesus that's assuming that we have Jesus and I don't want to assume that anybody in here is at a place that you might not be. So, everybody been served? Alright. So before we take communion, I want to do this. Head bows, eye closed, no one, no one looking around. I want to ask you a question. Do you have a real relationship with Jesus? Is there sin and compromise in your life? And you know that your relationship with Jesus isn't where it needs to be. Maybe, maybe you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior one day way back when, but if you had to look at your life today and just give a true statement about your relationship with Jesus, it, it may not be where it needs to be. Honestly, it might be, just, just say it's neglected. I want to give you an opportunity to get that right today. I don't want to have any of us walk out of here not ready to walk into eternity this covenant and this promise is one thing but it all comes through Jesus it's all an overflow of our relationship with him and I don't want you to miss out on that it's the best thing that's ever going to happen to you and I'm not talking about coming to church or being a good person a lot of people think that God takes bad people and turns them into good people and he doesn't do that at all God takes spiritually dead people and brings them to life again. So, if you know you don't have a relationship with Jesus, it's where it needs to be today. I'm going to count to three. I want you to lift your eyes up and look at me. And I just want to pray with you quickly before we all take communion so that we can all be on the same page spiritually before we do this. So here we go. Pastor, I know I'm not ready to see God. I know... My relationship with Jesus isn't where it needs to be, but I want to change that right now. If that's you, when I count to three, lift your eyes and look at me. Here we go. One, two, three. Lift them up and look at me. If that's you, I see yours. I see yours. Praise God. Once you lift them up, you can put them back down. Wait just a little bit longer. I see yours. Praise God. All right, if we can, let's all stand to our feet this morning. I want to pray a prayer, and I want everyone in here to repeat this after me. And I say this a lot. It's not like this is a magical prayer that we're about to pray. The Bible does say that you believe in your heart, and you confess with your mouth. So what we're going to do is, now that we, we know we're believing in our heart, we're just going to pray and confess this with our mouth, that our relationship with God is where it needs to be. Jesus is our Lord and Savior. He's risen from the dead, and we're going to live our lives for him, okay? So we're all going to repeat this because at this church, no one walks alone. At this church, I want you to know we've got your back. This church is full of people that love God and love you. That doesn't mean that we're perfect, all right? doesn't mean that we're perfect, but it means that we're doing our best one step at a time to be who God has called us to be. 
and that's all we can all do. Let him change and grow us from the inside out. Okay? Not becoming what a religious stamp says a Christian is supposed to be, but allowing God to transform us into who he says he, that we can be. That's key. So repeat this after me. Here we go. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son to die for me. Jesus, thank you for forgiving me of my sin. I repent. That means I turn away from it. I choose you, not that. Thank you for restoring my heart. And I will do my best one day at a time, one step at a time, to draw closer to you and become who you created me to be as you change me from the inside out. Thank you. Amen. Let's give God praise for what just happened in their lives. Yeah. I know it's hard to clap with this stuff in your hands. We're about to find out how many of y'all got... Y'all jumped the gun on opening this stuff because you would be slinging grape juice over everybody. That would not be good. You get baptized and do communion all on the same day. This little wafer that tastes way worse than it should. We're doing these prepackaged things right now because COVID's still a concern. So we want to make sure that we're being responsible and doing these things. So prepackaged stuff is still the way to go represents the bread it represents the body of Jesus it was given as a sacrifice for us and I don't know what's more powerful that Jesus died for our sins or that he lived for 33 and a half years on this earth to learn what it was like to be you and to be me because he cared that much about us it doesn't just represent his sacrifice it represents his life and it represents the covenant that we have with him and all the promises in scripture that come with it. Father, thank you for not just giving us your word. Thank you for doing something and showing us. Let's take the breath. Jesus said the same way. The cup represents his blood. In that covenant ceremony, we will be saying, we drink him into ourselves and we are one with him. And it's also symbolic of the blood that he shed for us. Every drop poured out as a sacrifice for our sins. Father, thank you that you held nothing back, that you gave your all. Thank you for not just dying. Lord, thank you for sealing this new covenant with you, with your blood. In Jesus' name, let's turn. Let's all just lift our hands for a second. right now let's just tell him thank you thank you father for your sacrifice thank you Jesus for what you did on so many different levels for us God thank you for the promise that we have in a new covenant with you Lord let us stand in confidence knowing and being fully convinced that the God that we serve is more than enough, that you're still on your throne. And if you said it, it's not just because of you saying it, Lord, we know we can stand on the truth of your word because you backed it up. With a promise, with a commitment of this new covenant in you. Thank you for 
carrying out all the parts so that this thing isn't dependent upon us, it's all dependent upon you. Thank you for calling us your children. Thank you for calling us your own. Father, we give you glory and we give you praise for the beauty of what you've done for us. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. Let's give God some praise in the house this morning. What a beautiful day. What a beautiful day in the presence of God. Listen, let me remind you today promise of God that he spoke over your life the calling of God that he placed on your life the ministry that he's placed in your heart listen everything that he said would be in your life will be in your life because of the covenant that he has committed himself to okay as long as it's from him he showed us how serious he was with him all right, so don't let there be any doubt in your heart. Don't let there be any doubt in your mind, all right? And when I know when those seasons come and you want that extra reassurance, I want you to go to these passages of Scripture and I want you to remind yourself of God's commitment to us because it doesn't change. Not just individually, but as a church. The promises that He has spoken over us will come to pass. What He has said we will do, listen to me, guys we're going to do listen and the beauty of it is all we have to do is seek him first okay because other than that it has nothing to do with us because the covenant is all on him we just got to walk through those doors when they open that's why I'm so excited about this season in our church I'm so excited about where God is leading us we're in continued steps in a long journey but I already know the doors are open ahead of us before we get there. We just got to keep moving forward. Amen? Got to keep moving forward. I'm going to ask you again. Be here next week. Okay? Be here next week. You don't want to miss next week. Okay? Today is useless if you're not here next week. I want to say it's useless, but you're going to miss out on a lot of it if you're not here next week. Okay? Next week, we're going to take the next step. We're going to dig a little bit deeper into the vision that God has given us. I've got some incredible things to celebrate with you I, I'll, I'll go ahead and celebrate one thing with you okay there's some other things we're going to celebrate next week I'll celebrate this with you and then we're going to get out of here because I think God should give praise for what he's doing and uh, the doors that he's opening listen we haven't taken up an offering yet for this 12 stone vision thing okay um, it's funny the e-kids they couldn't wait they had to go buck wild crazy and start doing stuff ahead of time you know uh, we're launching these ministries already um, we have already had, listen to this guys, over $2,000 come in to go towards funding the outreaches and projects that we've been talking about at the church. How awesome is that? That's just awesome. I love that. I love that. Um, you want to be here next week. We're going to celebrate a lot. I want to share a lot about what God's doing. And there's some stuff that's going to be happening this week. And once it's done, I'll be able to share with you next Sunday. It's going to be absolutely powerful. I love this. Okay, no hype. No, let's get them all pumped up before we walk out the door. I want to celebrate what God is doing because he's faithful. Because we are stepping out and following him. And he is keeping his part of the covenant. That's what he does. I love you guys. God bless you. Thank you so much for being here. Let me pray over you one more time before we go. Father, thank you for these beautiful people. For their hearts to serve you. For the people watching online, the people that may be listening to this podcast later. God, I thank you for them. Lord, I thank you for the potential that they have. Lord, for your promise over their lives. Lord, and I thank you. Father, Lord, I thank you that they will step boldly into that promise. Knowing that you are the keeper of the covenant. God, we give you glory and we give you praise for an awesome day in your presence. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And amen. God bless you guys. We love you. Thank you.